0: Is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennec. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 273. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you once again for listening. Thanks for downloading. First-time listeners, we're so happy that you found us and we hope you become a regular listener and we hope you enjoy the show. My name is Stephen Fennec and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, we're going to give you our verdict on the iPhone X, And our listeners also share their thoughts as well through their voice bites. We'll speak with Philip Schroeder from Sonnen. That's the German battery maker who wants to help you pay $0 for your electricity. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the new Call of Duty World War II game, the Alcatel Plus 12 Windows 2 in 1, and the new Nespresso Virtuo machine, Which uses all new pods. And we're going to finish up, as we always do, with the Tech Guide Help Desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi Fi products, and Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. A massive show for you, so we're just going to jump straight in. iPhone 10 is now available and it was a big week last week. We had our, uh, we published our review, uh, which was under embargo. We had to publish it after a certain time as specified by Apple. And then the phone then went on sale in Australia and we got it, but thanks to our time difference, many hours before the United States. And so we became the first customers in the world to get our hands on this device. And Judging by the crowds outside the store, they were about 500 strong. I was in the George Street Apple Store, the main Sydney store, and I haven't seen lines that long for many, many years. In fact, the interest around the new iPhone was, I I can't recall it being bigger than when the first iPhone arrived in Australia. That was the sort of anticipation around this product, and I had it a few days early, and before it went on sale, and when I was allowed to show it to people after the embargo lifted, it was, uh, there was just some, this utter fascination with this product. They were, when I showed them, they looked at it, they were it revered it. it. It was incredible seeing the reactions from people when they first laid eyes on it. And that's reflected in the number of people who turned up to buy it, uh, on Friday, not only here, but around the world, every store had crowds. Telcos had no stock, very little stock. There was a real battle to get your hands on a product, but, um, it appeared that the City Store, the Apple Store, had lots of stock, and uh, I was surpri- I was quite surprised that even four hours after the opening, they opened at 8, 8 a.m., so even at midday, people were able to just get to the back of the line, wait 20 minutes, and buy an iPhone 10 256 gig, the, the higher capacity model, which appeared to be way more popular than the lower 64 gig model. So Apple really did well there to have the stock uh, for customers. Unfortunately for the telcos, some telcos, I think Vodafone had no stock in in many of their stores. So people who were lining up outside Vodafone stores for the the iPhone 10 on the Friday were disappointed that uh, they had no product in stock at all. So they had to come back another day, but I'm sure there'll be stock to satisfy all of those customers. So... Let's get down to the review. Uh, this is this is a, a highly anticipated product, and it was, I, I originally saw this, I remember, back in September at, at the launch, so I only spent like an hour with it, but then when I got it and it became my device for my review, uh, I, I really appreciated the quality, the features uh, of the product, and why people are so excited about it. Just just starting off with the design, that's the obvious the obvious difference here. The home button's gone. Been around for ten years. It's no longer on the iPhone 10. Still, if you still like a home button, you still buy the iPhone eight and eight plus, and iPhone seven, and all the other iPhones. But with the iPhone X, uh, it appears it has a buttonless future. The the device. Uh, it has is all screen 5.8 inches side to side, so diagonally 5.8, and it's got an OLED screen, and what Apple calls it is Super Retina, but in fact it's OLED, and you can really tell the difference, the quality of that screen, compare it to even an iPhone 8. And you can tell that the iPhone X screen is a class above. You look at your photographs, look at your apps. If you're reading an e-book, everything is sharper and crisper on that screen. Uh, Black is really black. Colors are bright. It is magnificent display. The best that Apple's ever produced for an iPhone. And naturally, they reserved it for their top-of-the-line device, which is the iPhone X. Now, without a home button... You have to learn a number of gestures, which which I think uh, is is actually quite intuitive. So the, you're not going to get the phone and think, "Oh, please, could I have the home button back?" In fact, it's the opposite. You're gonna you're gonna say in three minutes, "What home button? I don't need a home button. This thing works well without the home button." Yes, there are a few gestures that you've got to get used to. So sw- swiping up from the bottom. Gets you takes you home, swiping down from the top right gets you your control center, swiping down from the left gets you notifications. Uh, Just simply pressing the power button and holding it doesn't turn it off anymore. You've got to actually press a volume key to do that. Pressing the side button, which is now a lot bigger because it does a lot more, uh, will just get you Siri. So there's all these little gestures you have to learn, but nothing that is going to stretch any user by any means. So I think the home button, while it had a great run for 10 years... And there's no suggestion that Apple's killing it off completely yet it does exist as I said on their other products uh, it doesn't really have a place here it it uh not having the home button obviously opens up that added real estate for the display and if the more room you got that for that display, the better it would have been a shame to contain that display to restrict that display with a home button and all the other all the other room that's on top of the product. Now if you put these products side by side, if you put this beside the eight and the eight plus, it sits directly in the middle of both those products. So it's not too big, it's not too small, it is just right. That's why I called it the Goldilocks phone, because it is just right. So if you're a person who doesn't really like carrying around a big device then and you're a person who wants a big screen it kind of suits both those people because it's a big screen without being a big device, and it's just slightly bigger than the eight and one and a half centimeters smaller than the eight plus. So you're getting actually a larger screen in a smaller device with the iPhone 10. So size is just right, and uh, I think any anyone will will. Uh, we'll see that when they're put side by side, it does provide that nice middle ground. That's why I th- there's, there's no, a, lot of, a lot of readers said, is there going to be an iPhone 10 Plus? Well, you don't really need it. It's already 5.8 inches. It's just the right size. Uh, available in silver and space grey as well, I should add. The back panel is glass, and that allows for wireless charging. And uh, it, it looks beautiful. It's got a stainless steel band around the outside that's surgical grade stainless steel, uh, unlike the aluminium used on the other on, around the iPhone Eight. So, just just looking at it, it does have uh, a, a look of its own. Uh, with that with that entire front face being a display, it is a, a a product that is quite a departure for Apple. Now, without a home button, you don't also you you also can't use uh, your fingerprint. So Touch ID is out. Uh, It was out with the home button. So in its place, what Apple's come up with is Face ID, which I think is absolutely brilliant. It is fast, it is intuitive, and it is secure. They're the the three things I have to say about it. And and as soon as you start using this device, and, and by the way, Face ID takes up to a minute to set up, less than that. You've got to basically just draw a circle with your nose in front of the front, the true depth camera on the front of the device, and that establishes more than thirty thousand points of recognition. So when you're looking at this, it takes a split second to unlock, and then you can swipe up to look at your at the home screen. Uh, when and that, that's a good idea that it doesn't go straight to your home screen because with the speed in which this unlocks, the iPhone X unlocks, it wouldn't be hard for you just to glance at it to see the time or something. And if it unlocked and went straight to the home page, you'd some a lot of users would put it in their pocket and then you'd activate apps and butt dial people and all that sort of thing. So Apple very cleverly only unlocked the device but left it on your lock screen until you swipe up. And you can tell when Face ID's been engaged when the picture of the padlock goes from locked to being unlocked. And that takes a split second. In fact, if you had the iPhone 10 in your pocket, and took it out of your pocket. By the time you brought it up and swept up to to swiped up to go to your home screen, in that movement, it would have looked at you, recognised you, and unlocked the phone. That's how fast it is. So I've I've heard people complaining that in bright sunlight it doesn't work, and when they're walking it doesn't work. Well, it's worked for me on both of those on both of those scenarios in the middle of the day in bright sunlight and when I'm walking. So I don't know what what the issue is with them. It has not. It has not worked properly. I should say, it has not never worked properly since I've had it. There's never been a time where I've had to think, oh, it, it just doesn't recognize me at all. And I've shown it to other people, and the padlock just shakes because, you know, I okay, you're not Stephen, and it just shakes. And if it does that five times, and it, you look at it again... You, it'll require your password. That's, exact, that's what happened during the iPhone X launch. You remember Craig Federighi tried to unlock it with his face, but what had happened was that five other people had actually looked at the phone. It tried to recognize him and didn't. So it actually worked the way it was supposed to by putting up that, that, uh, the key, the keypad to enter the passcode. So that's what happens if you try, someone try, looks at it five times to unlock it, it reverts by default to the passcode. Uh, so, but the user, if it's if it's yours, uh, you look at it, it unlocks, it, it happens in an instant. So uh, really, really good news there. Now, moving on, uh, the, the one of the best features that you'll find is the camera. And not just the, the, the rear camera, but also the front camera. On the rear, two 12 megapixel cameras with dual image stabilization. So both lenses have image stabilization. Uh, on the iPhone 8 Plus, only one lens has that. So uh, the result is you can take these magnificent images, it's got a new colour filter, so it gets you deeper pixels, With a, it's also got an improved sig- image signal processor, so the colours that you're going to get out of this thing, and especially on that beautiful OLED screen, are absolutely remarkable. Uh, it's also got a True true Tone quad LED flash, so you get consistent and natural light in your photos if you do need to use your flash anyway. Portrait mode, not only can you capture that from your main camera, so what that does is blurs the background, foreground, the subject in the foreground is, is sharp, looks beautiful, uh, gives you that nice depth effect. But you can also have portrait mode now with your uh, front-facing camera as well, so selfies look pretty good as well. Performance-wise, the iPhone X has its own silicon, new silicon, the A11 Bionic processor. This is a six-core CPU we've got here. And for the first time, it actually delegates on-the-fly performance uh, and efficiency. So not only does it have cores to make the phone run smoothly and quickly, but it also has cores to shut parts of the phone down, so to give it more efficiency to make your battery run longer. So uh, that is an exciting feature as well. Uh, just on the mention of the battery, uh, I found the battery to be above average. I was getting 24 hours use out of a single charge. So if I was charged at, if I walked out of my house at 9am with 100% I'd be back at the end of the workday with probably 50% battery left, and then that could take me to the next morning. By 9 a.m. the next day, that would probably be down to just under 20%. So very impressive with the battery. One thing I did was, because you've got more screen to power, I uh, consciously turned my screen brightness down. A lot of people have their brightness up full. That really burns your battery, especially with a screen of this size. So I turned my brightness down to about a third, and that, that is actually bright enough, and that does save you a fair bit of battery as well. So uh, I've told you what I've had to think about. Actually, before I uh, play our voice bites from our, uh, our listeners, I do want to talk about the price. That's one th- question I was asked. This thing is expensive, pardon the pun, uh, and they're right. It is It is the most expensive iPhone Apple's ever produced. It's their top-of-the-line product, and I think that it it is a class above, and therefore should be priced a class above. So I think anyone who gets their hands on this product will will appreciate why this costs more money. And it, it, in my story, I said, it, it's why a Rolls-Royce costs more than a Holden. It's just a class above anything Apple's created. In fact, a class above anything anyone else has created. This is... A true benchmark device that really sets new standards in what you can do with a smartphone. And yes, I know Samsung has got an all-screen device with wireless charging. So does LG. So does Google. All those phones are fine devices. But the one advantage Apple has is that they control both the software and the hardware. And this is a perfect example. The iPhone X is a great example of how both of those work together seamlessly to give the customer a really, really good experience. Now, those other phones I mentioned are brilliant. They're running Android. So Samsung, LG, Google, although Google does own Android, but... These other companies don't have the same sort of control over that software. They can't decide well, we're not going to have a home button anymore, a virtual home I don't think they have that kind of that, that kind of power with that operating system because it's not theirs. If Samsung had their own operating system, we might be telling a different story here. You know, Samsung's still the world's number one smartphone manufacturer, but Apple just seems to have this this attraction to customers, and that's one of the reasons why, because they've got the software working with the hardware and vice versa. I was asked in several of the interviews I did last week at the launch, why, why are people so keen on this device? Why are people so love the Apple brand? And that is why, because Apple's got this whole ecosystem and it all just works. It's beautifully designed and works together really well. Now, uh, you've heard my opinion about the iPhone 10. I want to play for you. I've got three voice bites from three of our readers who want to share their thoughts on the iPhone 10. And our first voice bite is from Jared.
1: So I've just had the iPhone 10 for just under a day
0: and this is just absolutely the best device I've ever used. So much fun. The screen, OLED screen is just nuts. The form factor and the new gestures is fun to use. Can't wait to use it more. Love it. So that's pretty pretty positive from uh, our mate Jared there, who uh, who bought I think bought the phone on day two. So uh, he was very excited to get that device as well. Uh, our next voice bite, also from another happy user, is from Stephen. And this isn't me. This is another Stephen. 36 gig space grey arrived on the third. I was worried about having no home button, but after an hour or so, it's second nature. I picked up my wife's iPhone seven, and the home button feels old. Face ID is great, especially with Apple Pay. The screen is so clear, it really is like looking at a photo. It's a fantastic phone. Keep up the great work, Steve. Thank you, Steve, for the little uh, cheerio at the end there. And our final voice bite is from Michael. He uh, also got his phone day one, and uh, as you'd expect, another very positive review. iPhone 10, what a phone. I thought I would miss the home button, but let me tell you, after about three minutes of not having a home button, I completely forgot about it. It's so easy. Love Face ID, the speed of the phone. It is awesome. So as you can hear, it was pretty positive all all around for uh, our listeners and if, if you want to get in touch with us we often love, we love to hear from our, our listeners through Bite. if you download the Voice Byte app and then have the hashtag tech guide we'd, we'd love to hear from you. If you've got a question if you want to give us your own 15 second review, you can do that as well so we love to hear from our readers using our VoiceByte app so stay tuned, yeah, if you do contribute a Bite, you may, uh, you'll be featured on the Tech Guide podcast well so you'll hear your voice as well as mine. If you want to read our complete review. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home.
1: Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy.
0: all lowercase that's shopify.com/slash tech view of the iPhone 10. You can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech guide now, a tech guide interview. Tech guide. Okay, our interview this week is with Philip Schroeder, he's uh, from the German battery maker Sonnen, and they've just entered the Australian market uh, a few months ago. Now, they're a battery maker who, like other battery makers, Tesla and many other brands that are out there, have solar and storage solutions for Australian customers. They're already uh, in Germany, France, Austria, the United States, coming to Australia uh, as well, just entered the market. And we sat down with Philip and and got his thoughts on our Australian energy market, how he sees it going, the future of solar and storage. And he also told us about his new system, which will be rolled out in Australia, called Sonnen Flat. Now, this is a system where all the Sonnen batteries are interconnected so that Sonnen becomes your utility company, your energy company. So for all the many and customers that they hope to have and will have here in Australia, all of the batteries are linked so that you don't use the power from the grid, you use power from all the other interconnected batteries. It is a fascinating thought into the future and how we could reduce the stress on our grid and also save ourselves massive electricity bills. And we caught up with him last week and here's what he had to say to us. Well, hi, Philip. Thank you for joining me on the Tech Guide podcast. Now, you're here from Sonnen, which is a German company. Can you explain
1: who Sonnen is and what they are going to be doing in Australia? Absolutely. Sonnen is uh, one of the largest and fastest growing tech companies in Germany. And what we are providing uh, on a global level is energy storage product. But what is even more important is we provide services to interconnect solar systems and storages to build a virtual power plant to virtually give power to the people right
0: so batteries and solar panels are growing in popularity now australia is one of the countries that are that are taking them on and battery storage is, a, is another important thing but battery storage with Sonnen has as you said it there's a distribution f- feature to it so can you explain that
1: yeah, it is. I, mean, I think the, if, if we look at Australia in particular, you see high electricity prices, you see people being frustrated by politicians, uh, regulators and utilities, um, and they're being left alone. So there's no real solution for that problem. And uh, what Zonin is offering is two things. First of all, we are offering them to store cheap solar electricity during the day and make it accessible during night with our energy storage mm-hmm. product. But the more important thing is that we actually interconnect all our customers and they can share their electricity. Mm-hmm. This means, translated, that we can provide them with free electricity um, when they need it, even if they don't have enough electricity in the battery.
0: So you become their electricity supplier. So if a, if a Sonnen customer, Sonnen customers in Australia sign up to the Sonnen flat program, so they don't p- get energy from the grid or they don't, they don't pay for energy from the grid, but we share all our power from our batteries, and you regulate that amongst all the customers. I Have I summed that up right?
1: Yeah, kind <laughs> of. I mean, you can compare it to your mobile, mobile phone plan. Okay. Basically, all you do is you pick the right size of solar system plus energy storage yeah. system. This will cover about 75% of your electricity consumption, uh-huh. and by allowing us to manage and optimize and utilize your energy storage asset by stabilizing the grid, Taking advantage of the wholesale market, mm-hmm. we will recoup the uh, remaining 25 to 30% of electricity you need for free. Okay. Translated, this means that you don't have to worry about electricity anymore because all you do is you pay us a fee for the software yep. and the electricity is going to be for free.
0: So it's a set fee per month?
1: It's comparable to... What are we talking a, about?
0: $30, 40 $50 a month?
1: Exactly. Depending right. on, on the size of your home, depending on the size of your battery, yeah. we have different packages that are suiting your needs and okay. this will reduce your electricity bill by over 90%. Okay.
0: Just talking about battery technology now, now a, a lot of people are thinking, well, they, they, you're probably being compared to Tesla. So, what, what, how do you differ from Tesla?
1: I think the the easiest way to differentiate us uh, from Tesla is Tesla is building boxes, so they are rather focused on a lithium uh, battery that's coming from their gigafactory in Nevada. For us, it's all about interconnection. So it's all about smartness. We want to interconnect um, storage devices and build a virtual community because we believe it is important not only to have an energy storage that can store solar during the day, just for yourself. But we believe it's really, really important to interconnect those assets, to utilize them for the benefit of the many. And Mm -hmm. that's, I think, the main difference between us and Tesla.
0: So Sonnen is a German company, of course. So this obviously is happening in Germany. Correct. Tell us how, how that's, that's gone for, for, for Sonar.
1: Yeah, we've been, we are growing um, our revenue since five years now with more than 100% per year. Um, we are active in Italy, Switzerland, um, Austria, Germany, the United States and Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, next year we will be launching into yeah. France and uh, Spain and the concept right. is everywhere the same. Yeah. Um, in the first step we are making available our energy storage product, in the second step we build critical mass and interconnect those assets to a virtual power plant which is literally allowing our customers to have a zero electricity bill
0: right so you're a visitor here in australia and no doubt you've been keeping up with the whole energy debate the whole issue with rising energy prices as a as an outsider looking in what are your impressions of the australian energy market at the moment
1: I have two impressions. One is that it's a very negative uh, atmosphere um, when it comes to utilities and politicians. I think people are disappointed. People feel left alone with high energy bills. And they are seeking and they are looking for a solution of that problem. And um, there's yeah, not much happening if you look at the regulator. Um, but the other um, impression I have is that Australia actually, from our perspective, is one of the most developed countries when it comes to penetration of solar and renewables. Yeah. So we see a big opportunity for Australia. We're even considering at the moment to build a factory here in yeah. uh, in Australia yeah. um, to create jobs. Um, because we see that Australia could be um, a role model for other electricity and energy markets because you have the highest per capita penetration of solar panels. Yeah. You do have a lot of uh, um, sun and solar. And there's a huge opportunity to uh, to create new technologies and services here as one mm-hmm. of the pioneering markets in the world. This is the opportunity. The risk that I see in Australia is that currently especially u- utilities and politicians are focusing on how to you know save coal um, uh, how to spend money uh, taxpayer dollars yeah. on on centralized um, storage facilities instead of just allowing. Um, the people to install, for example, distributed energy and storage. Mm-hmm. And, and
0: you said that you, that the possibility of a factory being built, like a the battery, you build the batteries in Australia. That, that, that's absolutely. that's a good coup yeah, for us. Yes, absolutely. But also, too, you said that we are one of the highest per capita that are already adopting solar and absolutely. batteries. Is that
1: right? Absolutely.
0: So what, that's a great opportunity for for Sonnen
1: yes, as well. Yes, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. This is why we're in Australia, and we're really happy to be here. And mm-hmm. we see there's a huge dynamic people people are happy to finally get a solution that they can take into their own hands. We yeah. have um, our entire marketing is uh, based on mouth-to-mouth uh, referrals. Yeah, 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 so word we, of mouth is yeah, 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 absolutely, so we're happy to be here.
0: But, we'll let, let, but obviously pe- people know there's a cost involved. There, mm-hmm. you, you don't just get your solar panels and batteries for free. Yes. So there is an outlay and yeah. we're talking several thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So what when people are considering this, mm-hmm what are the factors they should think about? Well, it is an outlay, but mm-hmm. there is a lot of benefit as well, though, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I, at the moment there is still an investment to be made between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars. If you look at the entire installation of solar plus storage, yep. this is a substantial amount of money. Yep. However, this will bring you an immediate electricity saving and peace of mind of eighty percent even without Sonnenflat. Yep. And uh, the addition of Sonnenflat is um, also improving the amortization period of the entire installation. So with Sonnenflat, we are actually further improving the benefit um, and also we are increasing security because you have absolute 100% peace of mind about your electricity bill. Mm-hmm. No so more bill shock. Absolutely. <laughs> That's yeah. a big thing. That it is. Yeah, yeah. So we believe that um, it makes literally sense for every homeowner to think about solar plus storage okay. and especially about zone and flat.
0: Okay, let's let's get in a time machine now in what what's this gonna what's the market gonna look like in say five or ten years time? Is is everyone gonna have solar panels and a battery? And if you don't have solar panels and a battery, are you gonna be stuck with the bill? Are you gonna have higher prices or will solar and batteries actually make
1: energy cheaper for other people? I believe that in five to ten years um, it will be the case that every newly built home will have solar plus storage. Yeah. And so uh, what, mandatory, you think the I think it it simply will make sense. It makes sense today already, and um, uh, the technology will further advance, prices will come down, so we'll see that 80 to 100% of all newly built homes have solar and and storage, and this will have a really positive effect also for those who do not actually have a solar system. Uh Why? Because we can bring down grid cost um, because uh, distributed storage units in, in the hundreds of thousands will allow us to actually work with uh, the volatility of renewables. So it will bring down costs for everyone. Excellent. Philip, thank you for your time. Thank you. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick.
0: The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Public Wi-Fi isn't always safe and secure. Well, without the right protection, your personal information could become public. The recent Cracks Wi-Fi vulnerability is an example of this. This group of vulnerabilities would allow attackers to intercept data transmitted across a Wi-Fi network. Personal information that is transmitted over the internet or stored on your connected devices, such as your passwords, credit card numbers, and more, could be vulnerable. All of this personal information can be used towards committing identity theft, such as accessing your bank accounts without your knowledge. The team at Norton are dedicated to helping you keep your valuable data safe. The Norton Wi-Fi privacy app encrypts the personal information You send and receive on public Wi Fi to help keep it private whenever you want to log in and wherever you want to log in. Help protect your information with Norton Wi Fi privacy. To find out more, visit au.norton.com. Now, a tech
1: guide review with Stephen Fennett.
0: Our first review this week is a game, uh, and I'm a big fan of this franchise, Call of Duty, as are a lot of you. Uh, This is a game that is a monster franchise, been around for a little while, and the latest installment is a, a sort of step back to the roots of the game, the origins of the game, which was set during World War II, and this game is called... World War Two, and it's set in the European Theatre of the Second World War, and I have to say, it is incredible. It is so real. Uh, the action is cinematic. It, it's it's truly brilliant. The 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 the, man, the designers, Sledgehammer Games and Raven. Uh, they, the publishers of the title, they have captured that period perfectly. They were, even went so far as to interview veterans to get their thoughts on what it was like to be on the front lines, so they could capture that emotion and camaraderie uh, that that we that we see in the game. And it, it is truly remarkable not only how how well the characters are portrayed, the locations, but also the realism. We have to remind ourselves we are watching a game that the. the the characters look so real, you could have sworn you're watching film. So the motion capture and the whole rendering is just looks so realistic. So you need to remind yourself, well, this is actually a game. This This is generated by a computer. It is absolutely remarkable. But what I like about this game is the fact that it goes back to the DNA of of Call of Duty. Call of Duty started off as, as obviously as war as a war game and then it evolved into a massive franchise and there was this challenge to present a different type of game, a different style of game each year. So what we saw was the game evolving into, I think one of the, one of the first games to sort of kick out of the historic genre was modern warfare about 10 years ago. And then it became, you know, there was modern warfare Two, And then black ops and all these other titles that then, then evolved into these games set in the future. And I think last year's game was called infinite warfare, which actually was set in outer space. So it went, on quite a journey, and I think kind of le- departed its roots a little bit. Yeah, they were fun games, and the multiplayers were excellent, but uh, there was so much gimmickry. So a lot of lot of uh, soldiers had these souped-up weapons and and exoskeletons that make them jump forty feet feet in the air, and it just wasn't real. It was it was not to the true, it wasn't sort of in in the true spirit of the game of Call of Duty. But what I think they've done now with this game is they've gone back to that. They've gone back to what the game is all about. Boots on the ground, warfare, told in an amazing way. So we're following the action. The first part of the game, it's like a scene straight out of Saving Private Ryan. You're storming the beach of Normandy, except... You're not just watching this as an outsider. You're in it. You're in the action. You've got to get to these points and save your, save your fellow soldiers. It is heart-pounding that you're in the middle of this action. It's like you've stepped into a time machine and gone back to World War II. So the, the action follows the story of Ronald Red Daniels. That's how you play, who you play. So it's a first-person shooter. So you play Daniels. And you team up with members of the British forces and the French Resistance, and uh, right right from the get go, it's action packed. And you 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 complete these missions, and, and you, you you do things. You, you go from shooting to driving to uh, firing at aircraft in the air, using all these various different weapons that are that are uh, faithful to the period. So you you're using a weapon that. Was used in World War Two, so it's not like this souped-up laser gun that you've got uh, set in the future. This is what they used back in that period. So it kind of levels the playing field, not just for the campaign, but also in multiplayer. You know, multiplayer. I found that if some genius could work out how to do a double somersault with a, with a massive weapon, then what hope are you if you're if you're not practicing that every day? But with Call of Duty, the multiplayer it is a bit more even because we're all we're all starting with these same weapons that you can't soup up with these special attachments and, and sensors and stuff like that so you really got to rely on your skill and your reflexes which is what the game should be all about. the game itself uh, is uh, as I said it, it's it's a really really accurate historically accurate game has some dr- terrific characters. Uh, the multiplayer of course is a very popular part of the game and this time out, you can actually choose to fight for a, for one of five divisions, the Airborne, Mountain, Infantry, Armour Division, or the Expeditionary Division. So it does give your online experience a different flavour. So if you're multiplayer, you're playing against other people from the Airborne Divisions and the Mountain Divisions. So rather than being lumped into one multiplayer area and one lobby, you can choose all these other variations, which, which just changes it up a little bit. Uh, and there's also a new social part of the game called Headquarters too. So if you... Uh, uh, want to have a chat with fans and friends, that's the place to do it. And yes, there are still zombies. The zombies is a very popular part of Call of Duty. Uh, it, it is pretty cool here, but you've, uh, this time you're fighting Nazi zombies. So uh, get out your guns, be ready to be scared in that little part of the game. I'm not a big fan of that. I have tried it. It is a bit creepy for me, but a lot of people out there love love that sort of game. I'm more a multiplayer and campaigner. I always play the campaign, then I get into the multiplayer and do my best on there if you are on uh, the playstation network and you do happen to find yourself in a lobby with a player called sharky68 uh that'd be me on the playstation network so uh, my word of my advice to you would be if you do see me keep your head down because i uh, i try very hard in those games you want to read our complete review of call of duty world war ii check it out at techguide.com.au tech
1: guide this is tech guide with Stephen Finnick.
0: Next up, we're chatting about a product from Alcatel. This is the Plus 12 Windows 10 2 in 1. And Alcatel has once again proven that you don't have to spend massive money to get a decent and affordable device. This is a 12 inch full HD display, 4 gig of RAM, 32 gig of onboard memory, expandable to 128 gig through the, uh, through the micro SD card slot there. It is $558 and you can get it through Vodafone for that price or $35 a month on a 24-month contract. If you do get it on a contract, you also get a free pocket Wi-Fi hotspot so uh, you can stay connected anywhere you go. Now, it also includes a detachable full keyboard so you can maximize your productivity on the move. So you're talking, uh, you know, these products out there like the Microsoft, uh, the Surface Pros and these other devices that cost thousands of dollars. You're talking about a product that just costs a few hundred dollars here. It's powered by an Intel Celeron N3350 processor and includes a USB-C port, has a 3.5mm headphone jack, micro HDMI port and that micro SD card slot to expand your memory. It has a brushed metal look and weighs 990 grams. Uh, Running Windows 10 and also uh, powers uh, Windows Hello fingerprint recognition, so you get fast password-free access. There's also Cortana, you know, the personal digital assistant, so they can help you complete your tasks and find your documents and set yourself reminders and be extra, extra productive on the move. Uh, the, the device, as I said, has a full HD 1920 by 1080 screen, 5-megapixel front-facing camera, and uh, has a, the 4GB of RAM has a 6900mAh battery, so that's enough power to get you through the whole day. Uh, has only got Wi-Fi connectivity, but if you do get it on the plan, you do get the Vodafone hotspot, so you can use that hotspot anywhere. Uh, so I think that's pretty good value when you're considering you're getting a pretty decent Windows 10 tablet. You're also getting a full keyboard as well. That costs extra if you buy some other tablets that cost a lot more. So you're getting this solution that can be a tablet one minute, a laptop the next, and a productivity tool all the time. The Alcatel, $558. If you want to read more about that product, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Next up, we...
1: This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news...
0: This is a new machine, an all-new machine from Nespresso, and I've got to break it to you. It uses different pods. Now, anyone who's got a Nespresso machine will be used to the thimble-shaped pods that go into the machine, create really nice espresso coffee, so your cappuccinos, your flat whites, and your lattes. The Nespresso Virtuo can do that as well, but it is uh, there are three different pod sizes available. So you can make your espresso with the smaller pod. What Nespresso found was that there are a lot of Australians who, we love our espresso-based coffees, but their research showed that nearly half of Australians, that's 47%, prefer to drink larger coffees. We're talking from a mug, 230 mil and larger. So as a result, Nespresso went away and created the Virtuo and the Virtuo Plus. The difference here is the size of the water tanks and your ability to position them. They cost the same price, but you can now make coffees from espresso size all the way to those high quality, larger flavored coffees as well. And of course, 90% of Aussies also like milk with their coffee. With the Virtuo, you don't get the Aeroccino milk frother what I did with, with when I was testing this out and it was a tough job having to drink a lot of coffee here. What I did was actually poured a little bit of cold milk into the into the mug and then let the coffee infuse with that, so it sort of still created this nice texture, gave it a nice little crema little foam head as well, so uh, it was it was a lovely tasting coffee, but if you do prefer the warm, steamed warmer milk, the frothy milk, you can still buy the Nespresso Arecino milk frother which you can plug in separately, or just get a double adapter like I do with my machine and that can sit alongside it and you can still add that to your espresso size shots if you like, or your larger size shots too if you want, so if you do like your frothy warm milk, that's still an option. Now, the capsule situation here, and the reason I'm talking about this machine is not because I like coffee, because there is there is some technology on board, which I'm going to get to in a minute. The capsules are actually uh, dome-shaped, so there are three different sizes, and this has a, an electrical opening system, so that you press down on the lever, and the, the uh, top of the machine motors up slowly, ejects the used capsule when it does that so it pops it into the back of the machine where the capsule used capsule tray is located and that way you can then put the domed shaped uh the dome shaped capsule uh dome down so that the the flat part of the capsule is what what faces upwards and with the capsules there there there's a bit of technology at work here from the machine and the capsules but each capsule and there are there are 20 different varieties of coffee so you've got different size capsules different varieties of coffee and all of these require different temperatures different pressures longer extraction time so how does the machine know this when the when the, when the capsules put inside the machine well it knows this because each around this around the lid of every of every capsule is a barcode so it's a barcode that goes around the circular lip, of the dome, and the machine then reads this barcode so that it knows if there's a Hazelino capsule in there, it knows it has to, uh, to the, adjust the flow of water, the volume of water, the temperature, the infusion time, the speed of the capsule rotation. It's all read from the barcode. Now, this uses what they call centrifusion technology, so it rotates that capsule as it's extracting. It rotates that capsule at up to seven thousand RPM, so that it gives it a longer extraction from an espresso size to a larger mug. Uh, but that, that's how that's how it works inside the machine. And when it reads that barcode, it knows exactly what it needs to do. Preheating time is just twenty seconds, and then that extract, it can extract a mug sized coffee in about seventy seconds. That's just uh, just over a minute. But uh, As with uh, you'd expect from Nespresso, it does produce a nice crema. If you just like your coffee without milk, you're going to love the crema that it puts on on your coffee every single time. It'll turn itself off if it's idle for more than nine minutes, nine minutes or more, it'll shut down on its own. And it is a one-button operation. There is a one single button on the machine, which is on top of the machine. You press that, it makes your coffee. It couldn't be simpler. Now, I know there's a lot of you thinking, well, I've already got a Nespresso. How do I get my hands on one of these? Well, the downside is that your Nespresso will only use the capsules it was designed for. So Nespresso is still going to make those thimble-shaped pods. But if you do love the Vertio, if you like those bigger-sized coffees, and to get into this, you're going to have to buy a new machine. So you can't just simply buy the new pods because they won't fit in your machine. You do need a new machine. So my information is that Nespresso is still going to support all those other capsules. The the normal pods are still going to be there. You can recycle them. By the way, I did have a couple of questions about how uh, it really uh, could be harmful to the environment if these things end up in landfill. Nespresso does have a recycling scheme, so you can collect all your all your capsules and take them back to Nespresso for recycling. A little bit like you do with your old ink, your old printer ink cartridges. So keep that in mind. But uh, the the new machine yeah only takes the new pods. And if you do like a a bigger coffee, I'm talking up to 414 mil, that's the Alto. You can also use the 40 mil espresso. You get a 150 mil Grand Longo and a 230 mil mug size. They're the four sizes. But top of the line there is the 414 mil Alto. Go big or go home, I reckon. So I reckon that's pretty good if you do like a big coffee with a splash of milk if you want as well. But if you've got an older Nespresso, you're stuck with the old pods, unfortunately. But if you're looking for a new one, the Virtuo could be your new best friend. The Nespresso Virtio and the Nespresso Virtio Plus, both available now for $299. And our full review is at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennig. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. And they've just introduced Orbi, the world's first tri-band Wi-Fi system. Orbi gives you reliable, secure, and crazy fast Wi-Fi to every inch of your home. That's right everywhere. No more dead zones upstairs, no drop connections through walls, no more complaints either. Just better Wi-Fi everywhere. Orbi reaches up to 370 square metres through Wi-Fi barriers like walls, stairs and doors. With a dedicated internet connection, Orbi helps prevent buffering while streaming your favourite movies and shows. No matter how many devices you connect, you have ultra-fast Wi-Fi speeds. The Orbi Tri-Band Wi-Fi system works with your existing modem to maximise the speed you're paying for. Orbi's sleek design and state-of-the-art technology steals the show. It gives your home a superior Wi-Fi network that's both easy to set up and elegant to display. With just a couple of clicks, your secure Wi-Fi network will be ready in no time. For more information, visit netgear.com.au. Orbi, better Wi-Fi everywhere. Tech guide. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Okay, our Tech Guide Help Desk. I've got a couple of things to talk about. The first one is securing mobile devices. This is a very popular question I get on uh, through Tech Guide. You can send me an email through the Tech Guide website, or you can send me a voice spot. As you heard earlier, we had a few voice spots. So our listeners were actually on the show, their voices were on the show. We love that. We want to have more. So if you've got a question for the Tech Guide Help Desk, Download VoiceBite. It's free on iOS and Android. Simply put hashtag TechGuide or hashtag AskSteven, whatever you wish, and you'll be able to record your question. It's 15-second recording time. Slide to broadcast, and I'll get, that, I'll get that file. I can get it and play it on this podcast. Our first question is about securing mobile devices. I had a reader asking whether she needs to have internet security software on her devices. I think she had an iPad and a Samsung phone. Uh, She wanted to use her internet banking, and I said, well, look, uh, internet banking apps are pretty secure. Just don't share your passwords with anyone. They're pretty secure. Don't send them to anyone. Just keep it to yourself. Uh, If you do have internet security software, I suggested to look at that software because there could there there is usually five licenses. So one of the licenses could be for a desktop, maybe another one for a laptop, and there's another three licenses to go. One could be for your phone, one could be for your tablet. So that does give you a little bit of extra security. There are free apps you can download. I think Norton, our sponsor, has one that that checks. Any app that you download, especially on the Android system, if you uh, it, it sort of checks that you're not downloading a bogus app that could maybe suck out all your information and compromise your security. So that's, that's a good app that's free. But if you do have internet security software, check to see whether you have some licenses you can use on your mobile devices. That is a good move. Uh, next up, we had a reader asking... They don't have Bluetooth in their car. How do I put Bluetooth in my car? Now with that question, I assumed that the reader wanted to connect their phone and maybe stream their music in their car, but because the car may be slightly older, doesn't have Bluetooth on board. Well, the good news is there are still a healthy number of Bluetooth in-car speakers. These can be installed, uh, can be positioned in the car on the visor, they can be also installed and maybe have a control on the dashboard, up to you how much money you want to spend, how much trouble you want to go to, but basically the device creates the Bluetooth connection, your smartphone connects to that device, and then you're able to either play the music through the device that might have a speaker of its own or if it's a more sophisticated expensive system you can connect the controller to your car audio system so that it all plays through your speaker so if you get a phone call it will turn the radio down so you can hear the phone call or if you want to just stream your music you can choose to do that instead of listening to the radio so you can stream your own maybe have spotify or apple music you can stream that as well with one of these bluetooth devices i've written about plenty of them on the tech guide website if you want to check it out you know where to go tech guide and that right there is the end of our show for this week. You can read about everything that we've spoken about at techguide.com.au and if you want to get in touch either send us a voice bite, so free on iOS and Android, hashtag techguide. Uh, you can send us a question, a little mini review, something you want to talk about, send us a voice bite, and uh, we'd love we'll play it on our show. Uh, you can also email us, info at techguide.com.au. We want to also give you a special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also a shout-out to Norton, the company that helps keep you and your family safe online. Thank you for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.